Welcome to episode 253 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast to get your free electrolytes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 253 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. So much to do, so much all the time, <laughs> but I'm I'm loving it. It's good to be busy, right? Oh, yes. That is my favoriteest thing. What's the thing that you're most excited that you're working on? Oh, you know, just a lot of little things. I love that the community is going so well, the Delayed On Tonight community. I'm really enjoying connecting with people in there. That's my favorite, talking to people. You know, I'm the kid who, when I was in, I guess, was it sixth grade? My desk was like put over to the side of the room. 
so I couldn't talk to people because <laughs> I talked to too many people. Oh, you were that kid. I was that kid. Yes. And you know, you know that, you know, Arnold from what was that? Different Strokes? Is that the name of that show? Arnold from Different Strokes. And there's that meme where he's there and he's like, sorry, teacher, moving my seat won't help. I talk to everybody. Have you ever seen that meme? It might have just gone through like all the elementary schools, you know, because it was a very teachery kind of a meme. But have you ever seen it? I have not. Okay. Well, I've seen it a million times. Also, people send it to me or they used to. <laughs> but that was me. No matter where they put me, I would talk to people. So I had to be by the wall. I probably talked to the wall too. I'm not sure. But I just remember that from sixth grade. And I love to talk to people. And so the community is is where I get to connect and I love it. That was not me. Really? You were the, the good little girl who followed the rules. Yes. I wasn't sure what the rules were at any time. So I was just probably randomly just doing things that felt right, whatever it was. I was the one when nobody's supposed to be talking and somebody else talks and I get stressed for them. Yeah. Like when they'd be like quiet and then somebody's whispering and I'm like, oh. I was the one whispering. <laughs> I wasn't even whispering. I was just right out. To have I don't know. I was a mess. I was probably ADHD. Just because knowing what I know, know about my brain now about my brain chemistry and how, you know, we've talked about this before. Benadryl hypes me up. <laughs> Caffeine makes me calm, and that's a hallmark of ADHD. You know, stimulants calm you down. So I'm sure I was ADHD, and you know, back then, you know, this was the 70s to 80s, and. I'm sure there were places that were treating it, but I mean, I don't remember anyone ever talking about it about me, but I'm certain that it, that it was true, especially watching my own children. So I was not ADHD. I was just all over the place, I'm sure. I wish I could go back in time and like see myself from the perspective of the teacher. Here's something that's telling. I have no memory throughout my entire elementary school years of ha- seeing a teacher in the front of the classroom teaching us. Like, I'm sure teachers did that. I have no memory of it. So apparently that was not what I was focused on, whatever the teacher was doing. I don't remember the teacher teaching. I'm sure she was. Wow. That's like the majority of my memories. You remember the teacher teaching? Yes. (laughs) I remember my third grade teacher playing the guitar and singing. That caught my attention. (laughs) That's all. Yeah. Yes, I was laser focused. Not me. Uh Uh-uh. Can I make a community service announcement just about emails in general? Mm -hmm. I have found no way to fix this for me, but for whatever reason, a lot of my important emails go to the spam folder. Whatever, I mean, even emails from myself or people that are on my favorites list. And so just FYI, check your spam folders, everybody. How many email accounts do you have? Well, I have a bunch. I have like 14. Well, I don't have 14. (laughs) Maybe five. But they all behave differently. Every week in my calendar, I have like things that like pop up to remind me to do them. Like every Monday, I have certain tasks I always do on Mondays, right? And so they're on my, they, they come up every week. But twice a week, my daily task reminder to do is check junk email. And I always find something important. And you find something like, oh, right? So everyone check it. You're going to be shocked. Like there was somebody who was just the other day. I don't know if she emailed me or messaged me or she was in my community. I can't remember how she communicated. But in one of those places, I think it was a private message in my community. She said, hey, I'm not getting emails for intermittent fasting stories every week like I used to. Are you no longer sending them out? 
I used to like to get them because it would remind me it was time to listen to a new episode. And I said, check your spam folder. And there they all were. She had been getting them, then she wasn't. But again, for me, even if, if it's people that I have marked as favorite, we'll go there sometimes. Even emails from myself or, <laughs> that's the weirdest, I'm spamming myself. That is weird. It is. It's so weird. I always get really excited because I do the same thing. And I always get a little bit excited checking the junk, especially if it's an email account where I know, because some of the email accounts have likely more important things coming than others. And so I I check the junk and I'm like, ooh, what am I going to find today? (laughs) But yeah, twice a week, I have to check them. (laughs) And again, people I have marked as favorite in my contact still go to spam. Crazy. I would like nothing to go to spam. I just don't want anything to go to spam. Me too. And you know why? Because then, well, except for one account that gets a lot of spam, I do appreciate. A lot of it is stuff where if it did come in, I could block them one and done, or I could um I could unsubscribe. You know, it'd be a way to like clear out stuff. Yep. But instead I have to look at them and take the time and yeah. Yep. Shall we jump into everything for today? Absolutely. Okay. So to start things off, we have some questions from Angelica. And I was thinking we could just take these one by one. That sounds good. Perfect. Oh, my bad. From newbie Angelica. She identified herself as newbie. So Angelica says, hi, both. Writing this as I'm listening to you both giggle. We do do that a lot. (laughs) Thanks for your podcast. We're having a good time. We are. She says, hope you're both keeping safe. COVID-19 made me lazy and I've gained some weight, which I want to shed. Fasting comes easy to me. So I thought of changing my lifestyle and doing IF. I'm currently in my first week and doing 19.5 daily. I have a few questions and appreciate you answering any of them. Well, Angelica, we are going to answer all of them. She says, I would like to get a better understanding of what I should break my fast with. I'm vegetarian. Lots of confusing info on the net, but I'd like to clarify the whole carbs, fat, protein connection when breaking the fast and what is best to break it with. What are your meal suggestions? All right. That is a great question. And my main suggestion is not a meal suggestion, but it is to stop Googling it. (laughs) Sorry, I had to say it like that because she's talking about confusing info on the net. Yes. You can Google this question or look on the net or look everywhere and find like everything the opposite of everything else, literally. Like someone will say, the best thing to break your fast with is a smoothie. And someone else will say, never break your fast with a smoothie. Or you must have this combination of fat and protein or never include carbs. When you, There's so much conflicting information out there that I would stop looking at that. And I'm going to tell you, There is only one source that you can trust in the entire world about what you should break your fast with. Do you know what I'm going to say, Melanie? It's you. Yep, it's your body. Your body will tell you. That's it. You'll know what works for you and what doesn't. For example, for me, you know, I just said some people say, you know, open your window with a smoothie. That would make me feel terrible if I had a smoothie to open my window. But for some people, they feel energized and amazing. It all depends on how your body responds to what you put into it. And it's not going to be the same for each of us. So you are your expert. You're your study of one. The only reason I know a smoothie doesn't work for me to open my window is because I've tried it. And someone who thinks it works great for them, they've tried it. It, They feel great and energized. For me, it makes me have a crash. I can close my window with a smoothie and I'm fine. 
and I don't have a crash after having, you know, a more balanced meal in the middle. For me, this is Jen Stevens, what she needs. I need to have really a combination. You know, like your grandmother said, you know, a well-balanced meal. I feel better when I have, you know, a quote, traditional well-balanced meal or snack or whatever. I need a mixture of carbs and fat and protein. If I have carbs by themselves, I don't feel good. If I have fat by itself, I don't feel good. I mean, I guess I could probably eat protein by itself and I'd feel okay. It wouldn't make me satisfied because I need carbs and fat and protein to, to be satisfied. So there is no universal best. And so ignore anybody who tells you what it's supposed to be, seriously. Now, real food is always going to be better. I will say that. Real food for the win, no matter what it is, your body knows what to do with real food. You're more likely to have a good experience if you're prioritizing real food. I could not agree more. Yeah, in general, the actual food and what you're eating, do, like Jen just said, do what works for you. And for a lot of us with sensitive guts like me, that means eating the way that I you know, best digest it. I can just tell and I just know. So I wouldn't focus on the macronutrients or anything like that. There are some functional foods that people purposely open their fast with, like you're vegetarian. So bone broth wouldn't be a thing for you. But a lot of people find that having bone broth, for example, when they break their fast is really healing for their gut. That's like an example of like something a person might want to try. Although actually, this is perfect. Today's episode is not sponsored by Beauty and the Broth. But we do have a code for them, which is at melanieavalon.com slash broth with the coupon code melanieavalon. But she, Melissa, who runs that company, she just released a vegetarian version. So that is perfect for you, Angelica. It's based on mushrooms. So anybody interested in that, definitely check that out. But yeah, basically everything that, that Jen said. And then as far as like meal suggestions, I don't know if you're saying like in the context of IF or in the context of just meals. <laughs> and I mean, the answer to that is twofold. If it's in the context of IF, it's what we just said, that it doesn't really matter because it's you do you. If it's in the context of meals, that's just, I I don't really even have suggestions. There's so many. Hey, I really, I bet she's coming across the people out there who are just so like insistent that if you, you know, like you must open your window with a mixture of protein and fat and zero carbs. I mean, there are people who say things like that, like it's the law. And so I say, ignore all of that. Ignore it. That doesn't mean that maybe you won't feel better eating that way, but you're doing it because you know you feel better and that's what you've tried, not because this person made a video and said, here's what to do. Do you know what I always open my window with? I can't remember. You you might have told me, but tell me again. Wine. You open with wine? Your little tiny microdose? I drink normal glasses now. Okay. But but not a lot. I'd probably, I'd probably drink less than a glass a night. But Yeah. I have a very like ritualistic one meal a day eating, wind down, work pattern every night. Every night, I saw sauna. It's like a whole thing. Lana Del Rey. It's a whole thing. So in any case, Angelica's next question, she says, I still have a lot of obsessive sugar cravings during my window. Any suggestions on how to suppress them? And so she means her eating window because she says, I ate a whole bar of chocolate after my fast yesterday. Here's the thing about sugar. You just have to decide. Like, 
actually, I want to back up a little bit. It is not, you know, quote, bad or wrong to have cravings for sweet things. That is very natural. And especially, I mean, you you just started, you're in your first week. So in your first week, your body is not well-fueled during the fast. So you open your window and your body is searching for quick fuel, sugar, is going to give you that. So that might be a function of your brain saying, I need some quick fuel because you're not well-fueled during the fast because you're not fat-adapted. So keep that in mind. You may find that gets better as you become fat-adapted. However, even once you're fat-adapted, it is normal, part of the human condition, to crave sweetness and to like it. And that is not bad or wrong or a sign that you're weak. I'm not in the mindset of you must suppress cravings for sweetness because they're natural. But what you fill them with can make a difference. It just depends on you and how you react. For example, for me, I bought two bars of really high-quality chocolate about, I don't know, over a month ago. You know that Bronner's, Melanie, Bronner's soap? Mm -hmm. They now make chocolate. Maybe they've always made chocolate. I don't know. They make chocolate. Wait, that's funny, because I feel like that's that's like me. Like my product expansion is it's going to just be like such random things. It'll be chocolate. But but the ingredients are super clean. It's a really high quality chocolate and you know I love that company. They've been around forever. So I bought two regular size bars. One was filled with like a hazelnut kind of butter or something and one was filled with an almond butter. And so I just eat like a little tiny piece of it and that is all I need. And it's been over a month and I forgot it was there for a while. <laughs> So then I'm like, oh, I saw this chocolate. I was hiding it because certain members of my family who live here would be able to eat the whole thing and it'd be all gone. And I was like, you know, I want it to be there when I would like to have some. So I put it behind, like behind the macaroni or something. So I remembered it was back there and I'm just eating a little bit at a time. If I was like the kind of person, and no judgment here because I'm like this with potato chips. That's why I can't buy potato chips. But if I were the kind of person who knew that I would eat the entire bar or two bars, maybe I shouldn't have that there. But I'm the kind of person that can forget I have it and then just eat a little bit at the time and it's okay. Now, so you just have to know yourself. And again, like I said, it might get better as your body adjusts. But instead of, you know, whatever it is, it's your trigger. Maybe you can have dates. You know, I always have organic dates in the fridge. A couple of those satisfies my sweet craving. I know Melanie loves pineapple. Pineapple can satisfy your sweet craving. Right now, it's blueberries, whatever it might be that satisfies your sweet craving. You know, in berry season, I like to buy organic blackberries and then put some heavy cream over them. That satisfies my sweet craving. But I'm not going to just like eat like so many that it makes me feel terrible and I can stop. My brain is happy. So it's all about what works for you. But as I mentioned, you know, there are things I, I can't include like potato chips because my brain doesn't have an off switch with that. So you just need to know what are things that your brain doesn't have an off switch around that you know you really don't want to be consuming a lot of. It might be chocolate for you and sugar, like refined sugary stuff. Or it might be something salty like me with potato chips. You just have to figure out what it is. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't ever eat salty things, right? Just that this is one thing that I have to probably not have a lot of. 
I hope that's helpful. Hi friends. I'm about to tell you how to get 10% off my new magnesium supplement. Magnesium is such a crucial mineral in the body. It's involved in over 600 enzymatic processes. Basically everything that you do requires magnesium, including creating energy from your food, turning it into ATP in the mitochondria, boosting your antioxidant system. Magnesium has been shown to help with the creation of glutathione, regulating your blood sugar levels, affecting nerve health, muscle recovery, muscle contractions, supporting cardiovascular health and blood pressure, aiding sleep and relaxation, and so much more. It's estimated that up to two-thirds of Americans do not get the daily recommended levels of magnesium. And on top of that, magnesium deficiencies can often be silent because only 1% of magnesium is actually in our bloodstream. So that might not be reflective of a true magnesium deficiency. Our modern soils are depleted of magnesium. We're not getting it in our diet. That's why it can be so crucial to supplement with magnesium daily. I wanted to make the best magnesium on the market and that is what magnesium eight is. It contains eight forms of magnesium in their most absorbable forms so you can truly boost your magnesium levels. It comes with the cofactor methylated B6 to help with absorption as well as chelated manganese because magnesium can actually displace manganese in the body. My Avalon X supplements are free of all problematic fillers, including rice, which is very, very common in a lot of supplements, including some popular magnesium supplements on the market. It's tested multiple times for purity and potency and to be free of all common allergens as well as free of heavy metals and mold. And it comes in a glass bottle to help prevent leaching of toxins into our bodies and the environment. Friends, I wanted to make the best magnesium on the market and that is what this magnesium is. You can get magnesium eight at avalonx.us and use the coupon code MelanieAvalon to get 10% off your order. That code will also work on all my supplements, including my first supplement that I made, Serapeptase. You guys, love serapeptase, a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm that breaks down problematic proteins in your body and can help allergies, inflammation, wound healing, clear up your skin, clear brain fog, even reduce cholesterol and amyloid plaque. All of this is at avalonx.us. That coupon code Melanie Avalon will also get you 10% off site-wide from my amazing partner, MD Logic Health. For that, just go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. You can also get on my email list for all of the updates. That's at avalonx.us slash email list. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. It is. So this is ironic. This is going to seem like I, again, undid something that I just said. It actually is not. <laughs> so I was saying earlier, there's not a certain order to eating things and you have to find what works for you. That said, what works for you, some people do find that ordering of certain things does work for them. And one of those things is that opening your meal with protein, for example, a lot of people find that really, really helps with satiety. There's the whole protein leverage hypothesis theory that basically when we're eating, we're eating to fulfill our protein requirements. So we're we're just going to be hungry until we get enough protein. And especially if you're a vegetarian, you might be finding it a little bit more difficult to get protein. Although I know vegetarian can include milk and dairy, right? Or dairy and eggs. Yeah, it can. Vegan is not having any of those products, but vegetarian you can. Yep. It's so interesting to see how far things have come in such a short amount of time. Because I remember when I was writing What When Wine, because, oh, that would be a good resource for you, Angelica. It has 50 recipes and they they note if they're vegetarian, vegan, 
or all the specifics like lacto, lacto vegetarian, pescatarian, all these different things. But I remember when I was researching to write that, I mean, people knew all the differences, but it wasn't like second knowledge. Like now I feel like it's pretty common knowledge, the difference between vegetarian and vegan. And this wasn't that long ago. This was like 2017. I just remember like looking up all the differences and it it just wasn't as known as it is now. But prioritizing protein when you open your meal might be a way to help those sugar cravings. Also, I'm about to interview finally next week, Dr. Rick Johnson. Oh my goodness, the amount of notes I have for this episode. But he's the one who really studies fructose and they do a lot of studies on fructose and sucrose and the refined forms versus whole food forms and the issues that come along with refined sugar, even though he really believes the mechanism of action is the fructose and there's still fructose in naturally sweet things like fruit, they don't see the metabolic problems when it's just coming from whole foods forms. And the reason I'm tying that all back in is cravings are often related to metabolic signaling and hormones not working to your advantage. And I think eating in a way that helps all of that work to your advantage can help quell those cravings. So this is iterating what Jen just said, but if you can, turning to, I know she was talking about the chocolate bar as well, but if you can try starting with the protein and stuff to filling up that way and then turning to alternatives for those cravings, you might find that you eventually those cravings get easier and maybe even eventually go away. So finding the fruit or or the fruit that works for you might be helpful. Any other thoughts? No, just the same thing that you said about the sugar. Like if I opened my eating window with sugar, I would feel terrible. I would have a big blood sugar crash. It wouldn't feel good at all. I remember when I did the Zoe experiment, even though that's fat and sugar, but eating those muffins... I would eat the muffin and then starving, starving. And you have to fast for like four hours, miserable. (laughs) Whereas yesterday I had a daily harvest bowl full of lentils and I don't know, I can't remember what was in the one I had yesterday, maybe Brussels sprouts. And I was so satisfied. It's a big difference. It really, really makes a difference. All right. She got more questions. Yes. So her next question She says, my last question relates to my husband. He is a private chef who works varied shifts, sometimes leaves the house at 8.30 to only come home after 10 p.m. He has to taste all of the food he prepares. How do you go around that and try to fast? He is keen to join me on the IF train, but it seems impossible. I am going to say that if he's eating, he's not fasting. So we've had this question before and it's... I know. And it just, it's one of those things you... I've talked to chefs before on on intermittent fasting stories, and they just they structure their tasting within whatever their eating window is going to be. You know, I understand that he has to work varied shifts, but you know, he doesn't have to taste every minute. I mean, I've worked in restaurant kitchens before, and I know for a fact that they're not back there tasting every dish that goes out of the kitchen. But I'm just talking about from a restaurant kitchen's perspective. I've never obviously worked as a private chef, but watching the people cooking in the kitchen, they're not constantly tasting every dish before they send it out of the kitchen. So 
I understand that you have to taste frequently within the job, but he needs to figure out a way to structure his window so that he's doing his tasting within his eating window. Yes. I wish there was a better answer, but that is the answer. If you're eating, you're not fasting. And and the tasting makes it, you know, it makes it hard. You know, I felt like I was getting a cold or something the other day. I was like, I feel like I'm getting a cold. My nose was a little tickly, like a sneeze was coming on. And, you know, I've always used zinc to help me with, you know, fighting a cold, whatever, but I can't take it on an empty stomach. It makes me feel queasy. So I was like, what can I, I wasn't ready to eat yet. So I was like, what do I have in the fridge that I could take this zinc with to keep my stomach so I don't get queasy? And I was like, well, I've got some kefir or kefir, however you say it. I think it's kefir. We've looked that up before. And, you know, it's like a, a yogurt, but unsweetened. So this is an unsweetened whole milk version. No sweeteners, just the fermented whatever, whatever they do to it to make it into kefir. It's a probiotic, yogurty kind of a drink. So I was like, well, this is probably going to coat my stomach the best. So I just had a tiny little bit with the zinc, tiny bit, barely even tasted it. So hungry. So I was like, well, I guess I'm opening my window now. I mean, I technically opened it with the kefir, but I mean, it's okay to open my window earlier. I needed to take something. And then I just opened it for for real. I ate food. I just ate, finally ate food. So I can't imagine, long story short, trying to taste food and then fasting. I just can't. I couldn't do it. And plus you're eating and it gets, you know, that digestive process started and just the taste of the food, you know, initiates the cephalic phase insulin response to the food because your body's like, oh, we're eating now. We're going to need some insulin. So it pumps some out and that keeps your insulin high. So it's just, it's not one of those things I feel like would be easy. Yep. I wish there was an answer, but I know. And plus you're, you're really on like a, a really like mega low calorie diet if you're just tasting little amounts all the time. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like with the varied shifts, are they all dinner shifts, I wonder? Well, he said he leaves the house at 8.30 and comes home at 10. Like sometimes. Like I'm wondering if that's an example or if they're, you know, like is he doing lunch? Does he do lunch stuff too? Does he do, if he's just doing dinner shifts, then I would just have the window be a fluctuating window. Fluctuating meaning it's just defined by whatever that night's event is. So. Okay. Well, the rest of her email, she says, again, appreciate you answering any of these. And I'm sorry if you've already answered some of these in detail. I'm on, oh, she was on episode 15. So many more to listen to. Sending warm wishes from London. London. Have you been to London, Jen? I've never been to Europe or anywhere over there. I've on, no, I haven't. I've, I haven't. <laughs> I've only traveled in the United States and then wherever cruises go out of Florida. I've traveled out of Tampa on a cruise and I traveled out of the other side of Florida and also Charleston on a cruise. I have been to Jamaica by plane, but I mean, you could also cruise there. So really anywhere down there, a cruise ship could go. I've been around in in the islands in Mexico, but yeah, never been to Europe, never been to Asia, never been to Australia. Would you like to go? One day. I would really like to go to the British Isles because so many of my roots are from there. A lot of family tree from Scotland, England. So I really, I would love to go. And there's also a lot of people over there that I've met through, you know, my intermittent fasting groups that I would really like to meet. I know you could have a meetup in all the different international cities. That'd be fun. I'll live vicariously through you. You can do that. (laughs) Well, have you been to Europe? 
A lot, actually. Really? When did you go? All the time growing up. My family still goes, but we have family in Germany and we have an apartment there. So growing up, we would always go to Germany and then we would go to another country. So like London, Rome, Paris, see all the places. And then I went on like a school trip. So my family still goes all the time and they try to get me to go every single time. Someday. Traveling is just a lot. Chad's never been. Will's never been, but but Cal has. Cal and Kate, they did a whole, in the summer of 2019, They that's where they got engaged. In Europe, they were in Venice. So they've been all over the place. They love to travel. I'm really grateful that I've been. To have seen actual other cultures in person, I think adds a a nice understanding to the world. Not that you like need that, but it's I think it's helpful. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. So this is from Joseph, and the subject is intermittent fasting and hypoglycemia. He says, fantastic guidance and a possible cure for many problems. I have only been doing IF for a week, and it's great to wake up without feeling pain. A question for your podcast. How should a non-diabetic with hypoglycemia best apply intermittent fasting? Thank you. Joe. All right, Joe. Thank you so much for your question. So to start, so hypoglycemia for listeners who are not aware of the differences, hypoglycemia is low blood sugar. Hyperglycemia would be high blood sugar. So Joe is talking about low blood sugar. In general, a lot of people find after adapting to an intermittent fasting lifestyle that it can really help with blood sugar regulation issues. And especially when people with hypoglycemia eating throughout the day, they can experience hypoglycemia and blood sugar swings because going from meal to meal, their blood sugar might drop in between meals or they might have reactive hypoglycemia where it drops actually after a meal, but it can be a roller coaster for sure. So in the long term, I think a lot of people see great benefits with managing their blood sugar and be it hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia with intermittent fasting. That said, when you first start, because he just started, he's been doing it for a week, although this is, oh, this is a really recent question. Very recent, two days ago. So in the beginning, there is the potential for experiencing more intense hypoglycemia because you are fasting. And if your body's not fat adapted and not used to that, your blood sugar might be going low. So I guess my first question is your hypoglycemia now, Joe, I wonder how intense it is. Like, is it where you just, you can feel yourself getting hypoglycemic and you eat, or is it something where you actually are, you know, doing a glucometer or even like wearing a CGM? I doubt he's wearing a CGM, but you know, how intense is it? Is it something where you've actually had like fainting spells from it? Because that would be a whole nother level compared to somebody who just tends to get low blood sugar and get hangry, as they say. So I would use that approach when applying it to the intermittent fasting. Again, I'm not a doctor with any of this that I'm saying, (laughs) but if it's something where it's, you know, you just have blood sugar swings and it can be a little bit uncomfortable. Again, I'm not a doctor, not a doctor, but it is possibly okay to experience those swings and get accustomed to intermittent fasting. And if it gets too unbearable, having something to eat and slowly working your way, because you could work your way to a smaller and smaller window if you need. So you could start with a longer window and slowly shorten it. But if it is something where it's more intense, I would recommend 
which you might already be doing, but checking your blood sugar with a glucometer or even getting, actually, you know what? Getting a CGM would actually probably be a fantastic solution for this because they last for around two weeks. You could wear it when you're trying the IF and be watching your blood sugar levels and seeing if it's going too low, seeing how you're adapting and also seeing the changes. And if you do have a hypoglycemic moment where you do need to address it, you eat something. And again, you could just slowly work on adjusting your window. So I'll put a link in the show note to Levels. They provide access to CGMs for people who are not diabetic. So if you go to levels.link slash ifpodcast, that will let you skip their wait list that actually has around 150,000 people on it and get access to that. And that link does let you skip the wait list. For some reason, sometimes people think that they still get put on the wait list, but no, that link gets you direct access. I didn't even define what a CGM is. It's a continuous glucose monitor. So it's going to monitor your blood sugar 24 seven, actually via your interstitial fluid in your cells, not actually your blood sugar, but it, it gives you the blood sugar readings. So those would be my suggestions. Jen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with what you said early on, and I wanted to highlight that again, that we find that people who suffered with hypoglycemia in the past when eating a traditional approach where you get up and you eat breakfast and have a snack and all that, that gets you on that blood sugar roller coaster of ups and downs. And that is how I used to live my life. Even when I was a little girl, I would notice that you know I might would have a blood sugar crash if I ate certain things or had something sweet. So I would say... I maybe really did suffer from hypoglycemic type feelings. You know, if you feel shaky or like you need to eat. But with intermittent fasting, I never, ever, 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 ever feel that way ever during the fast. (laughs) Did I say I never, ever feel that way? Never, never, ever. And so, you know, when I actually had a CGM from Levels that I, I tried out, they sent me one to try and it was fascinating to see what my blood sugar did during the day. And of course, I'm well adapted to fasting. I've been doing it for years. But, you know, after I would have my morning coffee, you know, that causes your liver to dump out some glycogen. So I would see my blood sugar go up a little bit and then it would stay around a certain state, you know, for the the morning. And then I would feel a little wave of hunger and I would look and see what my, my blood sugar was doing. That was right when it was going down. It was just a little mild wave of, huh, I could eat, but I, you know, it wasn't shakiness or feeling like I was crashing. And I just kept fasting, and then the hunger wave passed, and then my blood sugar stayed really, really steady right in the 70s. And so as long as I just kept fasting, my blood sugar stayed just right there in the 70s. It wasn't like wildly fluctuating up and down, up and down, or crashing, because it doesn't do that. It, It really responds to something coming in. You know, whether you're having that cephalic phase insulin response, your body releases some insulin, that would cause your blood sugar to crash. So I feel like if you're not fasting clean, you might have some hypoglycemia. Drink a diet soda, no sugar really comes in because it's artificial sweeteners, but your brain gets that, oh, something sweet's coming in, releases the insulin, bam, now you're going to have that blood sugar crash. So as long as you're fasting clean and you're adapted, you should really see that steady blood sugar instead of like the big roller coaster, like frequent eating. Very much just repeated what Melanie said, but you know, I, I wouldn't worry about it unless you feel shaky and then you need to eat. So we have a question from Nancy and the subject is IF. And Nancy says, 
I lost 30 pounds with keto and plateaued. I then found your book, Delay, Don't Deny, and began IF. I started in March and to date, and this is August when she's writing this, so this is five months later. She says, I have lost five pounds. I have lost inches most everywhere, but I still have too much tummy. So from March at 146 to today at 141, I have been here for weeks. I have been doing one meal a day, which works well with my family, but do you think I need to do ADF to start losing again or something else? I do longer fasts in there too. Thank you. Now, this is going to be one of those situations where it's really tricky for us to answer because we don't know where your weight is as far as like in a healthy weight. Like for example, you weigh 141 and 141 is just a number that could be at the low end of the healthy weight range for somebody at a certain height, or it could be at the high end. You could be overweight at 141, depending on on how tall you are. So it's hard for me to say. It's possible that 141 could be your body's ideal weight. And you just should weigh 141. And over time, you'll still see your, you know, maybe your tummy will very slowly change. You know, my body changed really slowly over a couple of years. You know, I changed two jean sizes over a year, but didn't lose a lot of, you know, scale weight. But my body really, really reconfigured thanks to body recomposition. So the scale number doesn't always tell the story. So it depends on really how much weight you need to lose to be healthy, what my answer will be. If 141 is a healthy weight for your body, then you don't need to change a thing and give your body time. If you need to lose fat on your tummy, then you'll probably see it'll start to change. The shape will change, but you still might weigh 141, but you'll see that the, you'll have some, you know, some body reconfiguration, but body recomposition. However, if 141 is still in the overweight range for your body and you're stuck there for weeks and you need to think about, okay, I probably do need to shake something up. Now, if your body is still changing, you know, take photos, use your honesty pants to see if your body's changing. Again, body recomposition can happen even if the scale isn't changing. But if really your body is not changing at all and you need to lose weight to be at a healthy weight, then you're going to need to shake something up, okay? It could be the length of your window, the timing of your window, what you're eating in your window. For example, you said that you're doing one meal a day. That could look like so many different things. You know, for me, I have a snack and a meal within a window of about five hours, perhaps. I could certainly shift that around a lot. When you say one meal a day, are you talking about strict 23-1, for example? If you are doing a very strict form, like a 23-1, then it's very likely that your body has adapted to that. And so I would do some shaking up of things. If you've got fast feast repeat, I would read the tweak it till it's easy chapter and see all the ways you might want to change it up. I mean, you don't have to go full on ADF unless you want to. You know, you mentioned that you do some longer fasts in there too. I'm not sure what you meant by that. So maybe you're already doing like a 36-hour fast here and there, maybe like a mealless Monday, and then make sure you're having an up day following that. That really is the key, is making sure that you have more of a a rhythm that's, that's not always the same, like an up and then a down and then an up and then a down instead of just everything being the same, the same, the same, the same, the same. Have a little something in there that shakes it up. So that would be my advice. And as I said, it depends on really 
what 141 means to your body. So y'all, when you're writing in a question for us, it would really, really help to have just a few more details to know. Because 141, if you're 5'10", is really different than if you're 4'10", for example. Yes. I thought that was a great answer as per usual, especially since she lost inches. It sounds like she definitely is experiencing body recomposition. So that is great. The only thing I'll add on, and this is what Jen just said, but I'll elaborate on it a little bit. As far as she was talking about how if you're not seeing results with everything and it is time to make tweaks, a lot of people want to automatically make the tweak be something around the fasting related, but there's a lot that can be done by looking at the food and what you're eating. Like a lot can be done there. And the only reason I say it is when people don't even mention at all what they're eating, I think that is possibly a sign that there's a lot of potential in that world compared to somebody who already has their, not to say that you don't have your food dialed in or not that we even need to dial in our food, but but, um, you know, some people will tell us exactly what they're eating and all of that. And for those people, maybe the focus shouldn't be on the food as much. Maybe it should be other things. But when people don't mention at all what they're eating, it says to me that the case might be that there's possibly a lot of potential if you haven't looked at that yet at all. So I just wanted to to note that. But again, ADF might be something that works for you. The good thing is there's just a lot of things that you could try. Yeah. And a lot of people love ADF. People, people who try it and the rhythm works really well for them, they just absolutely love it. And you never know until you try it. But there are people who that is their preferred way to do it. So a lot of people think, oh, ADF, it sounds so hard. I'm not going to like it. I'm going to force myself to do it because it's the only way I can lose weight. What if you try it and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the I love this. You, you just never know. So try it with curiosity instead of dread if you want to try it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. But you might love it. Surprise yourself and see. But it isn't right for everybody. I eat every day. It does not work for me, but it works really, really well for some people. Yeah, I just really enjoy eating every day. Sometimes I eat for reasons other than the fact that I'm hungry. (laughs) You know, we just... For shame. I know, right? I said that in kind of a sarcastic tone because, you know, there's, there's a bit of a thought, a train of thought that if you're craving stuff or you're eating for reasons that are not just... Like if you're eating for enjoyment or if you're eating because you're not hungry, that it's wrong or bad. But it's not. Food is one of the greatest pleasures of the world, of living, of being alive. So I enjoy eating every day. But if someone enjoys fasting and then the next day they have an up day and they love the up day and they love the fast, that is the right thing to do. It just is all about what feels good to you and sustainable. And you can switch it up. There's a lot to be said for switching it up, keeping the body guessing. Exactly. Do we have time for one more? Sure. The one that we have next is one we could definitely get to. All right. So we have a question from Janet. Janet says, I wanted to try this fasting to lower my blood sugar. I was diagnosed with diabetes about seven years ago. It has gotten worse, although I'm not on insulin, but I take 2,000 metformin daily. I'm not sure 2,000. What is that? What would I? Anyway, her dose is 2,000. Probably people who take metformin would know what that means. She says, I also have high cholesterol, which I think is from the diabetes. It runs in my family. I work out every day. I am not overweight. I was paleo for six months, and it still didn't lower my A1C. Could the fasting work for me? Yes. 
I told you this was a quick one. So there is a ton of literature on fasting and its effects on blood sugar regulation and A1C. And so for listeners, A1C refers to glycated hemoglobin. It's a longer term measure of your average blood sugar levels, because basically based on whatever your blood sugar levels are consistently affects the amount of glycation on your red blood cells. Glycation is a problematic process that happens with sugar. Like I said, I mean, there's just so much literature. It's, it's almost overwhelming how much literature there is on fasting for helping blood sugars, A1C, metabolic health. I don't really have much more to say. <laughs> we can put a link in the show notes to some studies. The answer is yes, it absolutely could work for you. And I feel like fasting is the most powerful thing you can do to lower your A1C, lower your insulin resistance, all of that. I think it's the most powerful tool in our toolbox. Even more powerful than the what, although the what does matter. But you see that when you, Janet, when you did paleo for six months without fasting, that was not enough to lower your A1C. But if you eat in a style that includes healthy whole foods and incorporate intermittent fasting, that's like magic. I just thought of a random fun fact I wanted to share that relates to an earlier question. Can I share it really quickly? I love random fun facts. I should probably find the exact numbers, but I'm sure you know this, Jen, but I'm, I'm prepping to interview Dom Diagostino, who is like the, like the ketone researcher guy. There have been really fascinating studies. We were talking, this goes back to the question on hypoglycemia, and I'm not advocating this, but people on really intense ketogenic diets, they did studies way back in the day that I think would have been stopped now with these findings, but back then they didn't. This was decades ago. The blood sugar levels, like the level of hypoglycemia that people reached in some of these studies where they were doing a long-term ketogenic approach were shocking. Like they shouldn't even have been alive, but they were fine. But it's because they were fueling on ketones. That's just a random fun fact. I'm trying to remember, I wonder if I have the, the number, but that, and that is not going to be the case probably with people. Now I'm not saying that shockingly low blood sugar is okay. This would be like in a, a clinically controlled, really intense ketogenic therapeutic diet study. But the point of it is that there's a lot more going on than I think what we often, like the basic facts we think of when we think of blood sugar, but there's a lot more with ketones and fasting and all of that. Yeah, it's true. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. 
And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalonsCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. There's a lot, a lot going on in the body that so much of what we like think about what what we've been told, for example, is not always accurate. Not like with, the first time I read the obesity code, that just blew my mind. So many of the things that I was like, "What?" You know, in the diabetes code. You know, if I were you, Janet, I would read the diabetes code. Oh yeah, that's a great suggestion. Yep, Jason Fung, the diabetes code. Absolutely. Alrighty. So this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes for today's show will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 253. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. And then you can follow us on Instagram. I am Melanie Avalon, and Jen is Jen Stevens. So I think that is everything. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful, and I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. Theme music by Leland Cox. See you next week.